As hairdressers, we have mastered the art of conversation. As hairdressers, we have mastered the art of conversation. Welcome to The Unspoken Hairdresser, the truth of what it's like to be behind the chair, the things we wish we said, and the things we wish we didn't, the pains, the struggles, and the joy. So let's begin Season 2, Episode 1. I want to introduce my co-host. What's your name, where are you from, and what do you do? Hi, um, my name is Elaine. Elaine Huang. I am from Costa Mesa and I am a hairdresser at a beautiful salon called Lavender Salon in Newport Beach. I have been doing hair and you've known me since I was a little baby hairdresser. <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? How long has it been? Eight years now? Uh, nine. Nine going on ten. Nine, <laughs> nine years. Oh my God. I feel so old. I feel old now too. When I have these young girls coming into the salon that are like 20 and 19 i'm like oh my gosh i'm getting older (laughs) all right so um when did you actually decide you wanted to be a hairdresser i decided to be a hairdresser when i got out of high school and it was right after my dad got laid off i think it was like 2008 um and my dad told me to do something where I didn't really have to go into something or gosh, I, my dad told me to do something where I could just go working right away instead of going to college and then waiting and all those things. So I decided to go to Tony and Guy when it opened and it was just down the street from my house in Costa Mesa. Um, it was the first year that you guys opened in at the South Coast Academy, I think. So 2011. Were you... Were you, uh, 2010, were you in the first class or the, uh, the second, maybe? I was the second class. All I know is she was my favorite student <laughs> that we used to work out a lot together, right? Yeah. <laughs> we would do the ellipticals, stay in shape. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember one time we, well, we did a lot of the, like in the stretching area. Remember the hip thrust yes. <laughs> on the ball? And there, you know, back in the day, I was single, uh, and I was on like Grinder or one of those apps, right? And somebody's like, "Oh, I saw you on the balls with your friend, and I saw you doing those hip thrusts. It looks really fun." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh god! So much fun! So ridiculous! Yeah, so much. Well, you're fun. my. So are you still seeing? You're my favorite teacher. Don't tell anyone else. Oh well, <laughs> I won't. I won't tell anyone else. <laughs> It's this is the first time I have actually, I think, talked to you in those nine years. Right. Like, I mean, maybe on social media, we have sent messages, but face to face. Right. Yeah. This is the first time since I I know. Super, super crazy. So uh, the reason why I reached out to you and had you on the show was because you made a comment about how we've been saying a few things that you wish you could say, or you're afraid to really speak your mind just because you have clients and you don't want them to um, either perceive you in a negative way or you, uh, you say something negative about them. 
Um, so I thought it would be interesting to have you on. Plus, I haven't had a former student that's actually been doing hair for almost 10 years, which makes me feel so freaking old. Um, so, you know, let's just c- kind of catch up. Um, but, you know, like, where do you get your inspiration as a stylist? I get my inspiration a lot from social media and Pinterest, I think. Um, I think social media has really revolutionized our industry. Um, I think when I started school, I noticed like Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest gave us a platform to share our work differently than the way it used to be. Um, But, you know, a lot of those LA stylists um, that work at like, you know, Nova Arts, Ramirez Tran, all of those places. They're just such big inspirations. And Jen Atkins, she's obviously a huge inspiration too. You're an inspiration. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. You know, it's been amazing is, you know, like you guys being in California, you know, you have all of like Hollywood and it's such a different industry out there than it is in any other place um, when it comes to you know, really making yourself stand out, I think, in social media. I think it's much harder in a major city to be the stylist that people want to go to. It's much harder than here, like in Texas, where, I mean, honestly, I can be the best in a small town and I don't even have to be that good. And I don't really have to do social media if I didn't want to. Now, I own a business, so I still do it, but I don't really need that. But I feel like in California, there's so many stylists and there's so many great stylists. How do you um, make yourself stand out compared to the next one? Ooh, that's a hard question. Um, really, I am just myself. I think about catering to my guests. Uh I do have a market for our clientele for girls with dark hair that want to be lighter. I think that's a lot of my clients. And I think in this SoCal environment that really speaks to a lot of people because we all want light hair. It's sunny and beautiful here all the time. It's always beachy. Um, I just put my work out there and you know what? I think to myself, okay, someone's going to like it. Maybe some won't. Um, And I know at the end of the day, we can't make everyone happy. And I, just, you know, express myself in that way. Hopefully someone likes it. So you mentioned a few of your um, inspirations. And what's cool is that some of the people that you actually went to school with are part of those salons and those groups. And they and, and I love it because I'm like, holy crap, you were able to, you know, build this clientele and build your, you know, status in social media and do celebrities. Um, so I think it's super cool. Now, um, you know, no one can see you right now. And I'm at this point, we're not YouTube, but we are going to be soon and we're going to be, you know, doing the, the live feed. But Let's talk about your hair. Oh, my gosh. Your hair. Oh, my gosh. She has always wanted to be this blonde Asian. <laughs> and she does it so well. I can't even handle how well she does it. She's so gorgeous. Um, so what does it take for you to maintain your hair? Um, every six weeks in the chair, four hours. My friend Colette does my hair, and she does an amazing job. Um, it took us 
12 hours the first day I lightened my hair. And this is like about a year ago. Um, it is not easy. And I give her so much credit for it. Um, we had to strip my hair from brunette, like a level four or five to this color, like level nine, 10. And it didn't get to this like white icy blonde until maybe like six, seven months later after doing it over and over every six weeks. Which I think is super important because, you know, clients listen to this and this is why I do this podcast is I want that conversation between stylists and the client and to be really honest with them. Like, here's a hairdresser that doesn't really necessarily have to pay for their services, although sometimes we do, but they're able to themselves maintain it you know, and tone it or use a color conditioner or whatever it may be, but still it takes a lot of work. Yeah. It is not an easy process and it takes time. You know, it's not going to be this icy white blonde in every light and it's not going to be an icy white blonde right away. So there definitely is this process. And I think it's, you know, coming up with that conversation and authenticity and, you know, just being real and then getting them to get on board with that journey is 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 super important. This is very true. But I love your I love your blonde hair as I'm just like looking at my little phone right there. Oh, She's so you. gorgeous. I, I don't I don't even know. You know, how to I always it. talk to my clients like when I, I do a lot of color correction and whenever they're like, oh, well, I want to change my hair color to this. And it's like significantly lighter than, than their natural. I always tell them that it's going to be a lifestyle change. It's not only just like, it's like, oh, I'm going to get my hair lighter. I always tell them like, hey, you're going to come into the salon for your toners every eight weeks. We're going to bring the highlights up every three to four months. And usually this is for girls who I know that haven't colored their hair often in the past but I think it has so much to do with like maintenance and all this stuff when it comes into like how you consult with your client and how often they can upkeep it I think there's a reality factor that you need to talk to them about which I think is absolutely true being honest about the upkeep and if they're not going to keep that up, then let's not do that. Let's yeah. find something that their maintenance schedule is going to look good six months 100%. from now. 100%. Because I did a client yesterday that she only does her hair twice a year. And I was like, why do you want to be platinum blonde and have roots for the rest of the time? Yeah. It doesn't doesn't look good on me don't tell anybody i did your hair because it's just gonna look awful for you know six months out of the year uh but let's find something you know and encourage them you know like with what you said like with a a toning schedule of eight weeks that's a less expensive service yes, absolutely you know and you're educating you're educating them on that you know and like originally like i got into this industry because of fashion shades but let's be honest, they fucking suck. Yeah. Because you have to destroy the hair, get the porosity to this awful level, yeah. and then it's going to fade to who knows what based off of what you did prior to it, and then go back in and then color it again. You're never going to be able to really recreate what you did the first time. Yeah. You know? So really just being honest with them. And I think especially with blondes is we want to maintain... That integrity. Yes. What would we do without 
the bond builders that we have today. <laughs> and there's, yeah, there's so many different um, options out there when it comes to bond builders or the products that you use. So um, that's so awesome. Yeah, I wish. All right. So oh, I was going to say, I wish we had those bond builders when I was in hair school. Do you remember taking me from like red? I had like ruby, ruby red hair to like ombre. And then in the end, I when I was done, I was like super duper blonde and I had to cut my hair into a bob because it was just fried to bits. <laughs> it was awful. Do you remember what what did I make? It was it, one of those processes, but we did that photo shoot and I like put you in saran wrap yeah. and then like didn't make up of like. Yes. You know who was, was an inspiration? And it was yellow and then pink. Yeah. Pink ends. I think it was yellow roots and pink yes. ends. Um, I think Katy Perry's extraterrestrial video was our inspo. You wanted me to look like a little alien. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted you to be this saran wrap alien. Love it. Oh my gosh. Fun times. We need times. to un- unearth those photos. I think they're somewhere deep within my Facebook. Oh, I can, I can definitely find them. <laughs> I reflect back and I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, so let's go back. Okay, so you uh graduate from Atonia Academy in Costa Mesa. You're one of the first classes, so the academy was beautiful at that point. Yeah. And you're right across from a major, you know, salon just in the in a a great area. I mean, not salon, uh, mall. And you're just in a great area. What did you do after that? You graduated. Where did you go next? So actually, I didn't get my state board test for about six months after I graduated. Um, At the time when I was a student, I was going to school from eight to four. Then I had a serving job from five to ten almost every day. Um, I had my ex-boyfriend drop off my pre-application package and somehow it got lost. Quote, unquote, it got lost. (laughs) Um, I actually found out later that he didn't want me to be a hairdresser and he, so I didn't get my test for about six months after graduating. And when I did, I passed, I became an assistant at the living room salon in Costa Mesa. And I assisted for a girl named Megan who now owns East 18th salon. Um, she was a great mentor to me. Uh, she's a boss bitch. I love her. And she is how I developed my crazy hard work ethic. Five days a week, eat, sleep, breathe, hairdressing, and here I am, still doing the same thing. So this is a debate uh, with the way that social media was and the the ability to really self-promote and get a lot of following and build yourself up. A lot of individuals that graduated from a beauty school went straight into more of a like a salon suite, running their own business, mm-hmm. you know, taking clients, didn't go through that assisting program. Would you say going through an assisting program really made you who you are? I do, actually. I think continuing my education made me a stronger hairdresser. Um, I, at the time I was also really young, so I wanted to develop that confidence of like having, being the best in the game, get, 
being able to deliver a high-end experience to my clients and my guests. Um, obviously, also just wanting to know to know all the tricks and tips of trade. I think that was really important. I, after leaving hair school, when I got into an actual salon, I just thought, wow, this is so different. Um, there's so many things that you learn out in a salon that you don't get to necessarily learn in school. I think being an assistant really helped me with that. And I do think being an assistant is important, at least just for a little bit, even if it's for a few months, even if it's for six months, even if it's for two years, we all take a bit of a different time to learn our tricks and tips of trade. Then we develop our own style. And then you do. I will say this, that no matter how hard I try not to be Tony and Guy, I've been with Tony and Guy for 14 years. So it is very hard for me not to be Tony and Guy. So it's like your 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 teachers that, you know, you started with, it, you're always going to have a little bit of that. But what I like is that you're able to add in all those little tricks and tips to actually make it salon viable. And I think that's really important. You know, I'll watch a lot of videos and their foils are a mess. They don't, their application's not clean. And for me, that's super important. I think it, it will turn out the same way, no matter what you do. If your foils are sloppy or your application's not quite as clean, but I think that what that does is make your clients see that, hey, wow, these foils are so symmetric at the end, and I've never seen this before. Because there are a lot of hairdressers out there. Yeah. It makes a, a, it definitely makes a big deal, you know? And I, you know, as an educator for TG, I go out to all these salons, and sometimes I see, like, just no reason to anything that anybody does and they think that it's quicker and they think that you know like by not sectioning like you're not taking that time but really it you know going through that apprentice program in any salon really does make you better because you really care about why you do things and what you do absolutely salon timing is a big deal and then the, you know, like when when repetition of something that may be more time in your brain at first, the more you do it, the quicker you get at it. It's not about cutting corners. Absolutely. You want to. It's about working smarter. Exactly. OK, so I recently read an article. um, And. Okay, so I've been doing hair now 17 years. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel so old. This is my last year of my 30s. Oh, my God. Is that weird? Is that, that weird? Is weird? Oh, my. That's weird because I met you when you were 18 years old. And I think you just turned so, a, like you were in your early 30s. I know. <laughs> Every, everyone thought I was like 21. Yeah, we all thought you were like 22, 21. I know. So now you know what I get? Not to like make myself have a bigger head than I already do. 27. Oh my god. You know what I did? You know what I did at 27? That's my first time I got Botox. 
Now I Botox everything and fill everything Even else. your armpits? That can't be. <laughs> um, even my ball sack. I love it. <laughs> it's, you know, yeah. You know, they say Me too. Um, you can put Botox in your armpits to stop sweating. Oh, yeah, for sure. You can put it in your hands, oh, too. Oh, wow. You put it everywhere. I know. <laughs> Hi- that that term, hyperhidrosis, wherever you have that. I need it. I think recently I need to put it in the back of my, like, knees. Like, I sweat there for some reason. It's super <laughs> weird. Anyways, moving on beyond, uh, there is a filler, there is a Botox, there is a laser for everything. I love ev- every bit of everything. it. Everything. They're even microblading scalps now to make it look like you can have Oh hair. my gosh. I know. I'm, th- there's no reason. You know, since we're on this topic, men need to know that there are ways to not go bald or completely bald. And they're scared of it because of erectile dysfunction. <laughs> but let me just tell you. Enlighten me, please. I have been. Yes, I have been taking Finestride for six years now, and I do not have erectile dysfunction. And I would rather have erectile dysfunction. I love how I've said that multiple <laughs> times now. Um, than be bald, especially as a hairdresser. You know, um, so I think I think it's important for hairdressers to know that, especially for their male clients, that there are options keeping the, the scalp clean. You don't have to use nioxin. That's not the go to for everything. Keep it clean. But you got to also condition the, the hair. And then on top of that, like, why not use Rogaine? People get afraid of Rogaine because oh, my hair is going to fall out after I stop using it, then don't stop using it. That's what they want you to do. And then there's pills. Now, when it comes to women, that's a whole nother subject. There isn't really, there is one pill that they can take, but there's so many like side effects that it's ridiculous. Um, But I had a client, a client come in the other day, a male client, and he was returning a product and somehow we we started talking about how he's going bald and he in the first thing he said was the erectile dysfunction i was like why don't you try it first before <laughs> you not try it because if you're concerned about losing hair and being bald then you know then just try it you don't know if it's going to affect you that yeah, way yeah it doesn't hurt to try it doesn't hurt to try there's an article that I that I read, and it's on liveabout.com. It says, what no one tells you about being a hairdresser. So I kind of want to talk about the, not I don't want to say dark side, but some of the things beyond the joy of making someone look beautiful and being able to create a beautiful, you know, work of art. But there are some downsides of it. One of the things they say, your body will hurt. Yeah, I am 27 now and my wrists crack just as I exist and do things and work out. Um, I think body positioning is a huge deal. Um, I recently got bunion surgery or not recently. I guess it's like three years ago now. But I do think you got bunions. Uh, yes, they're genetic. But 
I think it's from oh, okay. standing all day. Too many high heels. It's your stilettos <laughs> on your pole. Exactly. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> um, I do think it's from wearing cute shoes and boots and meals and all sorts of things. But we are standing all day. Um, and I had to get bunion surgery. to, And I looked at it as an investment into my career because I don't plan on stopping hairdressing. Um. But yeah, I think body positioning is really important. Uh, The doctor that I went to for my foot surgery told me that we have to stand parallel with even weight distribution on both feet. (laughs) And that's really hard to do when you're focused and concentrated and bending over, trying to cut this graduated bob and trying to put it in foils all weird. So something to be mindful of. And I think that, you know, a lot of people that's something no one tells them about is body positioning and the importance of keeping your muscles strong. We use muscles that nobody ever uses and they're not our major muscles. They're all the little muscles that attach to tendons that attach to bones. And they're so strong that they just pull on those tendons and pull on those bones and create problems. So I think it's very important that we, you know, our, we consider our body position. I'm like, so many times I find myself tilting my head and almost leaning over to see a straight line when I could just look at it straight on and maybe use the chair to pump it up to my eye level, you know, and especially nowadays with, uh, cell phones, we have them down And we're looking down. And then as hairdressers all day long, we're looking down. And then at night we lay in a bed and we look even further down. And then we're going to have all these neck problems, you know, so really, really taking care of your body. The next thing it talks about is the rough hours. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So for me, I'm a morning person. And I... Didn't used to be that way, actually. I think it was because I worked at the academy that I I had to be. I was forced to be. I had to be there at 8 o'clock. So I had this whole, like, time schedule. And all all of a sudden, since then, I can't sleep past 6.30. It just sucks. Sometimes I wake up earlier, and then I get on my Peloton, and I I do some exercise. But, um... The hours are rough, you know. It's it's not a planned schedule. No. When I first started, when I first started doing hair, I was like, "Oh, I can make my own schedule." That's what you think. Then you want to accommodate to everyone. <laughs> exactly. So, if you want to build your clientele, you cannot work your own schedule. You have to work a schedule that works for the client. Exactly. Now there is another side to this. Sometimes you get stuck in this rut of, I can't take off a Saturday because Saturday is busy. Yes, absolutely. Hairdressing is all your Saturdays in your life. (laughs) But you can take off a Saturday if Tuesday becomes your Saturday. So I think that there is a way to manage your clients and and manage their time um, to fit your schedule a little bit. Now, um, and a lot of times it's that fear to say, I'm not going to work this day, you know, and I'm like, oh, I can't work this day because, oh, 
it's so busy. But make your other days busier. Um, so, yeah, there is rough hours, especially when you're first starting. Yeah. You know, like you you want to be as open and accommodating as possible. But I think to the other side of it, you don't want the clients to take advantage of. Yeah. You, you know, you know, like tomorrow is um my only day off. And, you know, I have two clients that, you know, it's a mom and a daughter. I love them both. Um, it's also my CPA's wife and daughter. Um, so, uh, you know, I was going to be accommodating for them and, you know, she, the mom was like, no, no, don't worry about it. I was like, your son's getting married this weekend. If I come in and do your tent retouch, you know, cover up your grays a little bit, it's 30 minutes out of my day. I would love to do that, you know, but, and, 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 and that's amazing when you have those clients that appreciate yeah. your time. Yeah. It's such good vibes all around. Good customer service. That's that's really what it's yeah. about. And, you know, for, for me and my husband, um, going from a chain franchise to our own brand, that's what we really want to embrace is that it's all about customer service. Now, we are a commissioned salon, and that's a whole nother topic. Mm-hmm commission versus booth rental versus salon suite uh but we really want to embrace um the client and 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 their needs um but we also need their respect as well absolutely i um actually to accommodate for my clients that can't come in all saturdays i work late on wednesday thursday and i take them at 5 30 or 6 being the latest and they seem to really appreciate that Plus, it kind of opens the window to like not work as long of a Saturday. Um, the only downside is you can't really see color at night. Um, sometimes when I highlight people's hair and it's like 9 p.m. now because sometimes services just take that long. They're like, well, where are my highlights? I'm like, just text me in the morning. We'll see how it looks. And 99% of the time, it's okay. Yeah, like 99%. And I think that's that that's a, a thing too is that don't be afraid if they don't like it. Yeah. Don't take it personally. Just just adjust it. A lot of times it's either you overtoned or you need to add a few more highlights or whatever it may be. It's never if you are educated and you did a great consultation and they still don't like it. It should be an easy fix. Don't take it personally. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I hate is when um, my staff members say, Ugh, I hate this crazy client. Why is she crazy? Yes, people act crazy. But because she didn't like it doesn't make her crazy. So one of the reasons why I don't like cutting hair, although I do have a few clients that I do cut, is... Hair splinters and hair. Hair gets in the weirdest places. Yes, it does. I have thrown away so many bras. I've always said I wanted to like invent something that can get the hair out of bras, but I don't know what that would be. <laughs> <laughs> so bra hair is a thing. It is. I mean, I had a friend that she ended up with a staph infection because she got a hair splinter and had to get a two-inch section of her ankle, like just above her ankle, like calf, taken out 
because of it. Oh, wow. That's sad. So people don't realize, I mean, you could actually die from a staph yeah. infection, but it's dangerous being a hairdresser. It is. Not only are we cutting our fingers, but you can get a staph infection and die from just one hair splinter. Yeah, and they're running around breathing so- in chemicals all day, <laughs> getting high <laughs> off the fumes. Oh, my <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I wish we got high <laughs> off the fumes. It would make it worth it. Uh, it was like uh, the other day uh, we have this clay lightener and it's not it's very dusty. It gets everywhere. And I guess I wiped my nose. And at the same time, I snorted it up <laughs> like it was cocaine or something. And I was like, oh, fuck, that burns. And then and then I was like. Um, now I'm going to have the drip. How did it taste? And I'm all like, what is that going to... It didn't taste oh, okay. that bad. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so, so it's fine. As long as it tastes good, I guess it is good. All right, so another part of this article is um, being a psychologist is stressful. Therapy. Therapy. <laughs> yeah, whatever that is. So... um. What is it like? What is it like being a herapath? Well, I think a lot of times because we're in everyone's space or we're in their personal space, they open up to us about a lot of things that they normally wouldn't. The chair has its own power, you know. It's the chair. Um, I often love it. I love being able to connect with people on this level, and I like that they can be genuine with me. I like being able to just listen to these stories. So I personally really like it. Um, I could see how a lot of people get could get overwhelmed by stories, but I love listening. I love hearing people's stories and kind of where they came from. Well, and I think that's why um, out of hair school, I think the, the numbers like 60% will not do hair. Wow. Because you really, yeah, you really have to like people. You have to be able to hone in on your listening skills for sure. Um, your conversation skills are on point. We talk all day, every day to clients. And I think that, you know, like we'll have those clients that don't talk very much. But for the most part, we're trying to figure out constantly how are we going to continue this conversation for the next like three hours yeah I I mean I love the clients that also don't talk you're just sitting there on your phone reading a magazine and I just get to foil away you're perfect for me <laughs> yeah it's it's like a little break yeah. right oh my gosh all right so uh do you have any children that you do children like client, I, not not do like, <laughs> but obviously I'd be sick but um, I (laughs) child client. I recently just did a little girl's hair. It was for her eighth birthday. She really was inspired by Billie Eilish's green, like teal colored hair. And she spent about six hours with me at the salon. She was eight, but she had the hair of a 20 year old. Um, (laughs) And she did so good. And I actually typically don't do kids um, hair, but I'll do their hair if they want their hair done. That's what I tell their parents. So what I what, what I do, the only young adults or young children that I do is if it's if I do their parents' hair. Makes sense. And usually like something that I will do is their first color is always free with me How because cute. I wanna I wanna make them feel special and I also you know, like most of the cl- my clientele has a lot of money, but 
it's not about that. I just want to give them something that's special, Aww. you know, and and I have one client that her daughter has the curliest hair ever. This little short white girl. I mean, both of the, the husband and the and the and my client, they are. I mean, I, they have to be like five, four. Not a bad thing, <laughs> but their children are not going to be tall unless there's some weird genetic, you know, thing that happens. And, um. You know, and so their daughter is very, very, very tiny. She is, you know, in gymnastics and she's awesome at that and she really excels. But her hair is so thick and so curly and so tight and so blonde and it's, oh, and she's tenderheaded. Oh, yes. Right? So I said she's nine years old now and I said for her 12th birthday that I will do a smoothing treatment, some keratin treatment on it. Um, and I'm not going to charge her. It's probably going to take me like six hours. I'm not, I'm not joking. This is the craziest amount of hair and the curliest amount, but I just, you know, like, you know, I want to give myself sometimes it's not about the money. I want to make sure that they feel comfortable, that they feel valued, um, and give back a little bit. That's beautiful. Oh, thanks. Um, I do have a heart. You do. I think it, I'm 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 getting a bigger heart the older I get, because <laughs> I know my heart. I I only have so much more to give before I die. I'm just kidding. I'm I'm almost forty. I'm not going to be dying anytime soon unless something. No, happens. our life expectancy you know. is much greater now. They say, right? Well, yeah, and and you know we, yeah, we have a lot of different medicines and vitamins, and you know the education is is there. All right, so. Now you have gone from beauty school and you did your apprenticeship. What did you do next? Um, I found a place to kind of start my clientele in Costa Mesa as well. I started taking clients there, kind of built. But when I was an apprentice, it was really important for me that I had a clientele going on the floor. So on my days off, which were Sunday and Monday, I'd always make a point to take one or two clients a day, whether it was just a haircut or a simple tint. And eventually when I got my own spot as an apprentice, those people became my clients. And um, I mean, I've been behind the chair for eight, seven years now, eight, eight years, seven, something. I don't even know, but it's been such a rewarding job. And I've met so many cool people, so many amazing people. I've become just this person that networks with my clients. It's so hard to not become friends with them. You spend so much time with them, right? Absolutely. I mean, I have clients now that I've been in Texas for seven years and I have clients that, you know, like we just, we have, we have a relationship we have a bond. We trust each other. I don't hang out with them, but you know, when they're in the salon, we're friendly and you know it goes a little bit beyond that and and i do really care about them and i do care about their children and their stories and i want to make them you know feel important but i really honestly you know care for them and it, it does hurt me sometimes when i hear sad things and uh you know and and that's how it should be yeah. and i think that for like for me for instance like I've moved around so much in my young my younger career as a hairdresser that I never really got to uh, experience that 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 true bond. Uh, I've been at nine different locations. Oh wow! And 
this is probably the longest that I've been. I think I've I th- I've been here four years, so this is the longest I've been anywhere, state, city, whatever it may be. And so I've really got to experience that in my later years of being a hairdresser. And so it it's pretty awesome to to be able to now see you know like children be like twelve years old to graduate into then you know, almost graduating college and see that experience. Uh, I've been able to see them graduate high school and then graduate college and then, you know, be able to get married or whatever it may be. And so that's all, that's all really awesome um, to be able to, to, to go through those experiences with uh, your uh, clientele, which I never got to really do before because my mindset was always about moving around. Yeah. So, uh, so after your apprenticeship, you found your salon and then you moved around a little bit more or I I moved around a little bit. Where are you now? Um, I am now at a beautiful slot in Newport called Lavender. Um, so I've been here for almost four years, three years, four years. Um, and it does feel like my salon home. So I think I definitely feel grounded here. Um, I have built an amazing clientele just being at the salon. We have so many amenities for them to make them feel catered to. And I have been trying to dabble into a little bit of editorial. Um, I feel like I'm at that place where I can be a little more creative artistically uh, because I do have a steady clientele. And that's been super fun just to express myself as an artist. and yeah, I've done a little bit of traveling here and there. And I try to cut hair sometimes when I'm traveling. So are you doing like guest spots when you're traveling or are you just randomly cutting people? <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> you're like on the street. I'm bringing my shears. Right. <laughs> I'm in Thailand. I'm going to cut your hair. Well, I'm in Paris. I'm going to cut your cut, hair. I did cut some people's hair in Thailand and Vietnam. They were backpacking, so <laughs> yeah. Okay, perfect, perfect. But it's a trade that's valuable. Someone's gonna want a haircut. <laughs> it, it, it's valuable. So just bring your shears wherever. Yeah, it's you a great go. way to meet people. Just say like, "Hey, I have a pair of scissors." No. <laughs> <laughs> I want to cut yes. you. No. Uh, so uh, with some of the editorial, are you uh trying to like be? represented by a manager or are what are you what are you trying to do with well that? i do want to work on a portfolio and hopefully get represented by a manager but for now it's just about being creative and being artistic and expressing myself in this realm of hair and editorial styles i feel like are a bit more nuanced and more alternative so that's the fun part you're never going to really do someone's hair with like a gel down finger wave or like some curly, 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 like of a mess Afro kind of behind the chair just to like leave after their color, you know? Yeah. You know, and a lot of us uh, got into hairdressing thinking it's like this glamorous life and we're going to get to do all this fun stuff all the time. Um, Not to say that I don't want to talk negative, but it, you know, we don't get to do that. We don't get to be creative that often. We're doing the same thing, replicating the same thing, because most people want consistency. So I think by doing the extra stuff of like working on a photo shoot or 
um, doing a commercial or a movie. I think that's where the creativity comes. And I think that's super important um, as a hairdresser um, because once you build your confidence, would you agree confidence is the most important thing for you to be a successful hairdresser? I think that's one of the most important things. Well, there's lots of things. But yes, I mean, I think that you have to be confident in what you do. Doesn't mean that you need to be that typical, you know, hairdresser that's been working for a while, thinks that they know everything because you can never know anything. But I think that you have to have confidence in what you do. I agree. And I think you have to be open to doing things in a different way. But a lot of times that's not what the client wants. They want the same thing over and over again. And you know what? I find that in that case, I can approach it in a different way and get the same result because there's so many different ways to do hair. Absolutely. And we're all artists at the end of the day. We're all a little bit of an asshole at the end of the day. Artists and assholes. And we're all... <laughs> we're artists, assholes. Um, But you know, like, honestly, like, as a human being that's kind of how life is but like as a hairdresser and as any artist we want people to appreciate us for what we do absolutely okay so let's see we have now found your place that you feel confident so do you rent your space i am i'm a renter okay so you've gone from working as an apprentice did you work commission I did, ever? actually, for a little bit. Okay, so a little bit of commission and then running your own yes. space. Have you ever done a salon suite? I haven't. No. Yeah. For me, like a salon suite, like, and we have a lot of them here, and I'm sure you do too as well, but I just don't like that atmosphere yeah. because I'm a creative person and I get bored really easy to easily and i'm very add so i need that constant like new stuff and just that environment yeah. um and and i can't imagine being in a little cubicle yeah. and that's not why i got into hairdressing I need a, uh, but it works i need the camaraderie with my other co-workers and peers too like exactly yeah. you know like you need i need to you know be like oh my gosh that's so awesome how did you do it yeah if if I just had to listen to myself all day, every day, it would be like pull, doing this podcast on repeat, <laughs> which you don't even know how many times I have to listen over and over to a podcast before I put it out. But my husband, he's like, you just love listening to yourself. And it really isn't about that. I don't. I just have to. Uh, but most importantly, it's, you know, the, the individuals that I get to, you know, interview and talk to. And I thought that it was just an awesome experience that, you know, I got to talk to you um, because I'll be honest, I absolutely from the first day I met you, I loved you and you were 10 years and some change younger, maybe. Oh, yeah. Just 11 years younger than I was. And. You were so innocent, but so kind and just so eager. And to watch you through social media, mostly since I haven't talked to you, um, grow as a stylist is awesome. Thank and, you. Um, to, and to, you know, listen to you now and, you know, be able to give the information 
and insights of what you have experienced over the last, you know, almost 10 years, um, which is a decade. So now I'm making you old <laughs> that you've been doing hair. That I am. I've been around it. I've seen things. <laughs> All right. So um, let me see if I can get back to this screen here. Um, how do you feel you have grown as a person behind the chair? Hmm. I feel like almost actually it's so weird. I feel like I didn't go to hair school that long, that long ago, or I feel like I didn't finish that long ago, but I do feel way more confident than I used to. Um, I feel like hair is second nature now. I feel like as a person, I'm definitely more self-aware and I also don't take things as personally as I used to in the beginning of as I used to in the beginning of my career I used to always get a little insecure like oh I hope she liked her I I hope she doesn't have to call me and you know tell me that she didn't like her toner and like all these things but I feel like now I'm just way more confident so I guess this all circles back down to being confident is definitely a key element in doing this as a job it's a lot of pressure sometimes um but yeah, I think I've just gained confidence as a hairstylist. I have been around. Um, I just appreciate getting down to networking with people and being there for them and appreciating them. All right. So how do you find balance between your personal life and your work life? Because I've seen you've gotten to travel the world a little bit. <laughs> um, I work a shitload and then I leave for like seven to ten days <laughs> but I work every waking minute otherwise and I think as clients they don't realize that that we work and we you know we try to put you in wherever we can and do as much as we can for seven days yeah here and there you know the most like I have left from my salon is ten days and that was insane because the salon flooded, the air conditioning went out, and, like, so many different things happened. I think someone quit, too, at that oh, point. Wow. So I was like, oh, my Shamble. God. You know, and I know. And then my husband and myself have not been able to leave the salon for more than four days in two years. Wow. So this is the year that we're going to do it. And you know what? If the salon burns down, it burns down. We are going to be going on a cruise through uh, Barcelona and Italy and France. And it, it's going to be cool. It's going to be 11 days. So, um, you know, you got to just make the time and just do it and not worry about the what is, yeah. I think, in that point. I think it's important to also always buy the international cellular data plan so you can talk to your clients while you're gone. <laughs> Fuck no. I turn my phone off. I'm just going to leave my phone at home. I don't want to talk to any of you while I'm on you vacation. You can also do that. I love you. I love you and I support you and you support my living expenses and all my cats in the 800 and some dollars I spend on food each month. But for the seven or 11 days that I'm going to spend away <laughs> from you, don't contact me. All right. So, uh, it, it's it been so awesome talking to you. Uh, we spent a little bit over an hour, which is awesome. Um, so what does the future hold for you? Gosh, I have no idea. I hope to get more into editorial. I love being behind the chair. Um, 
I am navigating life in Southern California, so I hope to buy a house <laughs> at, at some point. It's just really expensive here. Um, so expensive. Yeah, and I mean, I hope to travel the world more, hope to see more. Maybe I can come visit you in Texas. That would be awesome. I have a guest room. Well, maybe that's what the future will hold. <laughs> <laughs> the future will hold... Uh, you in North Dallas in a small little town called McKinney in my guest bedroom. <laughs> you can play with my four cats and I have seven chickens. What? Seven chickens? I How know. Cute. You know, I'm such a farmer. I'm such I a farmer. I love it. You... All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for, uh, you know, hanging out with me for this amount of time and talking. I want to thank all of our listeners for listening to The Unspoken Hairdresser. Remember to follow us and like us on Instagram at The Unspoken Hairdresser and on Facebook, The Unspoken Hairdresser and on Twitter, The Unspoken Hair because they didn't let me say hairdresser. You follow (laughs) our story on our website as well, theunspokenhairdresser.com and you can listen to us on whatever you're listening to us on now and hopefully I will have you back on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ay caramba, let's stop play. Oh, I have to pee so bad.